This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 111 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. It has been a past, I guess, the last past couple of days have been very long for Joshua and I in terms of um, what we're covering because I'm covering the NFL playoffs. He's covering the college football national championship game. So you can imagine we're working long hours and we're just kind of like trying to find time to get this podcast done. So we're glad that we're able to bring you something this week. We promised we'd recap this game for you. We promised and we got to deliver, even though I'm very sad and somber. Um, I know. But we got a lot to talk about, so we might as well dive right on into it. Yeah, I know. I it, It's hard because we, we clearly know what happened in the national title game on Monday night. Alabama defeating Ohio State 52-24. to It is Alabama's seventh national title under Nick Saban, so he passes Bear Bryant for the most all-time. And I'll say this. The start of the game, I want to start with the start of the game. Because I feel like when a guy, like one of your most talented players who we saw had an extraordinary game against Clemson is hit and knocked out of the game on literally after one carry, it really kind of puts things in a different mood. And when that happened to running back Trey Sermon, what were your thoughts? Um, well, it's a good question. So first, first flashback I had was, shades of 2006 where Ted Ginn got hurt early in that national title game. And it was over from that point. I was concerned because of how electric Trey Sermon had been, but also the fact that Justin Fields was not going to be toting the rock as liberally as he might have had he Mm -hmm. been 100% healthy. And so you want to have your, your best running back available, but you also want to have running back depth available. And Mayan Williams, who's a freshman running back that filled in for Master Teague as a backup when Master was out in the semifinal game, was out with COVID. Um, And so at that point, you had Trey Sermon out. Master Teague was in the game, which is fine because I think he's a good running back, not Mm -hmm. maybe as explosive or electric. But then your next guy was a fourth stringer. And that's difficult. That's hard to reconcile with. And so you you just felt like it was going to be an uphill battle to try to run the ball just from that standpoint after Trey Sermon went out the game. It was also a battle to try and stop the Heisman winner, Devontae Adams. 
we first of all knew what this guy did all season long. That is why he won the Heisman. We both agreed he should have won the Heisman. But then he goes out in the first half, sets a record, over 200 yards um, receiving, three touchdowns, and made it look so easy at times. And I have to ask you, as a player, as a defense, how deflating can that be when one player can do something like to you, that to you? Um, it's it's really difficult. And <laughs> the thing about Devontae Smith is is not just him Did I say Devontae Adams? I don't know why I said Devontae Adams. I like this is <laughs> this is what I said I'd be so tired today. So Listen. pardon me. Devontae Smith, and I don't know why I said Devontae Adams. I'm this thinking is what of, this is what you can expect out of press pass. My technical oh, difficulties. God. And that is every other week, if not weekly. And then also <laughs> the um the the tired slip of the tongue yeah. mistake. Give us a break, <laughs> people. Oh boy. It's not just him because mm-hmm. you have to defend the full field and the full offense. And they put Jalen Waddle in there and he got a couple of receptions, mostly a decoy. Um, they had John Mechie, who I think is a really good player. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley, the tight end, I think is a very good player. And then you have Najee Harris out of the backfield. And so as much as you want to pay attention to Devonte, you have to pay attention to all of the other talent. Now, I think Ohio State went in with the right mentality. People were pissed off that they were uh, playing four linebackers in the game, and I thought that was the right thing to do because if you were able to stop Najee Harris in that run game, it would throw their pass game out of rhythm for two reasons. Is Number one, their pass game is predicated off of play action for their deep shots. It's not just straight drop back five and seven step drops. Sure. It is predicated on sucking the linebackers up and isolating secondary players. And so when they can't run the ball, the play action is not as big of a threat. The other thing it does is it takes them out of their quick passing attack as well Mm -hmm. because the quick passing attack is a lot of times based off of the RPO. And so if they're not having success in the run game, you're not going to respect the run portion of the RPO. And I understand how they got to where they got just in terms of the personnel that they put in the game. This is where I got extremely frustrated defensively with Ohio State is um, they they played man coverage entirely too much. And Alabama had every answer to man coverage because they put Devontae Smith off of the line of scrimmage and they put him Mm -hmm. on the move. And what that does is it takes your ability to press him and get hands on him away. It also creates confusion because he can exit the formation on the other side from where he started, or he could motion like he's going to exit from the other side and then come back after the ball is snapped. And it's a very high percentage throw because it's behind the line of scrimmage or just past the line of scrimmage. So you're going to connect and he's electric with the ball in his hand. So too much man to man. And then when they played their base three deep coverage, and this is the visual I'm I'm going on and on, but I got to get this off my chest. This is the visual that stands out to a lot of Ohio State fans is my guy, number 32, Tough Borland, who is a great linebacker for Ohio State. He's a captain. He is physically, athletically limited. He was covering Devontae Smith on a deep over. Yep. There aren't, yep. there, there's, not, there's not one yep. linebacker in the country yep. that can cover him on that. There's yep. probably not a lot of defensive backs in the country that can cover him on that. And people were like, well, why would Ohio State put tough Borland on him man to man like that? First off, 
that was never their intent. Yeah. But Alabama is good enough in terms of their offensive play calling. Steve Sarkeesian, a guy that we've talked about, and we've had questions about his ability to run a program. We never questioned how good of an offensive coordinator no. he was. And he showed it because he put Devontae Smith on a, a three-by-one formation. So three receivers were off to the offensive left. One receiver was to the offensive right. The one-two third receiver from the sideline was Devontae Smith. They ran four verticals up the field. And when you're playing three deep coverage, the thing that hurts you is four verticals because you have three deep zones. There has to be somebody else who can cover that fourth man who's in the three deep zones. And that's an underneath coverage player. And Alabama schemed it up so they could, and, and your underneath coverage player is typically a linebacker or a safety. You would hope it would be a safety on a wide receiver like that. And they got a linebacker on him. And Alabama picked that matchup, they picked on it, and they scored on it. And so for me, as I look at Ohio State, I say that's your base coverage, it's, it's your bread and butter, it's what you do every day. If I'm looking at the tape, I'm saying if there is speed at number three, and what I mean by speed is Devontae Smith is fast, Jalen Waddle's fast, John Mechie's fast. If there is speed at number three, and there's a linebacker that's going to have to carry that deep over route, that deep vertical, you check out of the defense. And the linebacker will make the check because he knows he cannot do that coverage. I've been in that system before in the NFL. I knew if there was somebody speed at three, I was trying everything I could to change the damn call so I wouldn't get dusted. And yeah, and and so that's where I was frustrated. It's like that is your, your base defense, and you couldn't even get one of the more basic checks in the game plan to prevent that exact situation from happening. And so I, I genuinely question if Ohio state's best shot was given to Clemson and among injuries Mm -hmm. and among COVID cases and among the high from that game, was it too much for them to regroup and get back for Alabama? Yeah. I, first of all, going back on what you just explained, I was going to ask you about that specific play. So you went ahead and answered it for me. And I'm glad you explained it though, because when, when people are just seeing this, that don't really dive into the, you know, X's and O's behind every play, they wouldn't understand that. Right. Um, But when you explain it, it's like, Oh, wow. It really like comes into play and you're like, okay, that, Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. It's like, it's Ohio state. Their coaching staff's not dumb enough to say, we're going to put our, our slowest linebacker on the Heisman trophy. Like (laughs) Like, nobody's that simple, but it's also perplexing to somebody who understands football that Mm -hmm. you couldn't avoid that situation Mm -hmm. at the same time. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, okay. So you're, you're saying maybe Ohio state used all its juice in that Clemson game. Mm -hmm. And, And I also factor in this too, I just feel like Justin Fields was hurting. I agree. And 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 we all know that that the bruised ribs, the and who knows if he had broke I mean, did it come out that he had any broken ribs? I'm I'm gonna make an assumption that he did. They also and said he, he his yeah. his hip was banged up too. Yep. I think he he was really struggling in terms of feeling good in that game. And and that's and that's hard. You yeah. know, you wanna give it your all, you you probably take a a shot there to make 
make you feel like you don't have a lot of pain, but I just, I think that played into a lot of it too, um, on the offensive side, at least. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really interesting, um, that you say that because I, I do believe it was apparent that he was in pain because he never looked confident when he was standing in the pocket. He never looked Mm -mm. confident trying to put zip on the ball. Like you could tell he was off and that's a shame. Um, real quick, I want to go back to the coaching matchup because I believe that's something we talked about on here. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I said was that Nick Saban had a definite advantage because not only had he coached in national title games before he had done it and won in the CFP era. And that's recovering from the semifinal heading into the final game. And I think we also brought up the fact that Alabama's roster was going to be in better shape, not just because of COVID, but because you their semifinal game was a, a freaking pillow fight compared yep. to what Ohio State had with Clemson. And, and so this is not to make excuses. This is to say that um, there were a lot of factors that contributed to why Ohio State got boat raced. And we can mm-hmm. go through all of them, but I would like to personally say as an Ohio State fan and alum, uh, somebody who played within that program, Alabama was clearly the better team and they mm-hmm. 100% earned that victory. And um, I'd like to give them congratulations because it's difficult to be mm-hmm. champs and especially to sustain the success that they had. Hats off to those boys. So there, there that leads me to my question because there's a lot of people putting this out there. Is this maybe one of the best Alabama teams to win a national title under Saban? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to call it um, since I've been really invested in, in football from the time I got to college, I would say this might be the best Alabama team I've seen. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the three Heisman trophy finalists on offense um, that yeah. really did it for me. It's the offensive line that was the best in America that really did it for me. It's also Pat Sertan Jr. who we talked about um, who can eliminate half of a field. And he made Ohio state's wide receivers who were averaging like a hundred yards a game yep. look pedestrian. And again, mm-hmm. part of that's Justin not being 100%, but the other part of that is he's a really good defender and he made it hard for those guys to get open. Yeah. It, it, it's funny though, that you, you brought up one defender though, because for the most part, we're not talking about Alabama's defense no, and we not. haven't talked about Alabama's defense. And what's so funny when I posed this question to you is because a lot of these former Alabama teams, we would have said, you know, they won the natty because of their defense. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And now anymore. it doesn't matter. And that's how quickly things change. Yeah. It's just, it, it really is amazing because I have covered and followed you know, these SEC teams for years now, and specifically Alabama, I covered there when Nick Saban, covered them when Nick Saban first arrived. And so I've always kind of followed them. And it is so funny how different it is. Um, that's just college football now. So yeah, I, and you give props to Alabama and, and look, Nick Saban is a hell of a coach. I have, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, yeah. it is I mean, what it should, is. We should, we should talk about that for a sec though. Um, yeah. Because I, I really don't think that's something that we can just fly by. No. Nick Saban, and we are witnessing it, people, is yeah. the greatest college yeah. football coach that has ever lived. He mm-hmm. is the greatest recruiter that has ever lived. He is the the greatest football organizational manager, culture guy I have ever witnessed in my life. 
yep. and to sustain the amount of success. They said the dating back, I, I think the last 14 recruiting classes to come into Alabama, every four-year class has won at least one national title. And I think they said like two or three three-year classes um, have won a national title. So there would be some players that would have won multiple titles in their time in Tuscaloosa to back up that success like that. And like you said, in an evolving game where maybe defense isn't as important and they've found freaking quarterbacks when they used to never have a quarterback, like I'm just, I'm impressed. I've never seen something like it. I covered John Parker Wilson. If that tells you anything. Okay. <laughs> If that tells you anything of what the, what the situations used to be like in terms yeah. of Alabama's offense, there you go. Let me throw that name at, out at you. Um, it's funny, though, because one more thing on, on Nick Saban, and you mentioned it. I think the thing that I respect the most about him is as, as stuck in his ways as he is on so many things as a head coach, because we all know Nick Saban. He is a, he's a stubborn guy. Um, he was never stubborn. And he really couldn't be, but he really, at the right time, transitioned into that offense and hired a guy like Lane Kiffin yep. just when the timing was right. I mean, it sure. was like impeccable timing. Yeah, um, he did. He's, and it's I think incredible. he's self-aware as a coach. Sure, you know, absolutely. I, and I think that's one of the the like he doesn't have that ego feel that a lot of no. elite coaches have, which is mm -mm. wild mm -hmm. because he's an old man and he could be big ego and he could be stubborn. He's got the, I mean, he's got the, the jewelry box to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I think that's a, a wonderful point that you just brought up is his willingness to evolve and his awareness to understand when yeah. it's time to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, really quick before we move on, um, because I, I do want to give Ohio State also a lot of credit for um, doing what they did this season to getting to that point um, when I think things were more difficult for them in terms of, you know, going through the COVID issues and starting the season late. I mean, that stuff was that was hard. I mean, yes. the SEC did things right to start when they did and they yes. seemed more organized and everything. It wasn't smooth, but it was smoother than a team like Ohio State and what they had to deal with in the Big Ten. So I want to give props to Ohio State for getting to that point. And I really quickly wanted to ask you, um, what are your thoughts on next season? Um, do you feel like this team is going to be able to get back to that college football playoff? I think they'll be back in the playoff. I mean, if, if yeah. history is any type of indicator – They'll have a really good shot. I'm, I look at the Big Ten Conference, and I, I don't know their crossovers for next year, but um, I think Penn State's going to be better. I'm not sold that Michigan's going to be that much better. Mm -hmm. Indiana, I think, will be the interesting one out of that group because yeah. they've got Penix back, but um, truly not sure what they have in terms of skill, talent, and I don't think they recruited well this year. Um, big questions for Ohio State. I think their secondary is going to be improved because they're going to be a year older, uh, yeah. which is awesome. The The biggest question that exists is the quarterback. What do you do mm -hmm. yep. when Justin Fields is gone? And mm -hmm. they've got a couple guys on the roster currently who have never thrown a pass in college football, so we'll see. Yep. Yeah, that's a big position. We know it's a big one in college football, especially nowadays. Well, 
Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to that next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. Best part about it, you can get this all for just $15 a month, the same rate as the other hosting sites would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you are starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get in your application today to apply. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. I'm going to bring up some more names here that we've already mentioned, but um, unfortunately, this is just how it is. Some some names in football just rule right now. And we talked about Steve Sarkeesian and what he did in that national championship game. I, I thought calling a, a very good game. And he was introduced at Texas this week. Uh, the first thing that I saw real quick was Lane Kiffin. Did you see Lane's tweet? No, I yeah. I need to put uh, tweet alerts on for him. Dude, the Lane train uh, tweeted out right away because I don't know why it caught my attention, but I was like, what is this? What is this about Lane and Texas? Because like, I saw like hmm. Lane and then I saw like all the, the Texas colors, you know? And so I'll read the tweet really quick. Um, he said... Uh, great hire at Texas football. So excited to watch. Welcome back, Coach Sark. Congrats on the natty. Fun to watch. Like this is <laughs> a head coach to another head coach who were they're all competitive. But it's just so funny because I feel like Nick Saban, it's now a, it's like a fraternity. Like anyone who yeah. goes through Nick Saban's like school of coaching and goes on to like get a good head coaching job. It's like, they all remain like in that fraternity. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, anything Lane Kiffin does is kind of chuckle worthy well, for me. It's great. But um, yeah, to your point, like there's a lot of guys who talking about how good Saban is. He's also got the best coaching tree in the history of college football yeah. and it overlaps into the NFL too, for people who don't know that. Um, But yeah, I mean, those guys are definitely connected. And I, I bet you, like, it's funny, like, we joke around with Lane Kiffin, but he was probably serious about congratulating Sark. Which oh, is awesome. for sure. No, he definitely was. And that's what I mean. I mean, I feel like there is they, – they go there, and they – from what we've seen, the, the guys that have gone there and, like, worked under Saban for a couple years, for the most part, we've seen them all come out having more success. So I feel think- like that's – no, go ahead. Do you think Saban gets kicked back any cash from these guys once they get their little head coaching jobs? Because if I were him, I wouldn't be doing this for free. Well, that's a great question because I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's easy. I don't no. think these guys come in here and, and Saban's not having – I mean, he's probably having to whip them into shape. Oh, actually, I know that because when Kiffin joined his staff that first year, I remember – and I think I've said this on the podcast before – you never heard from Lane Kiffin until that semifinal game. He first talked to the media in the semifinal game. Is that not incredible? It's amazing. But you got to keep that guy under control, though. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, but he made him earn all of that. You know, it wasn't like 
it's that's part of what I think he does there. It's almost like he's whooping you back into shape. He brings you back down to earth. So he knows what he's doing. He does know what he's doing. Um, So anyways, back to Sark. So he had a quote today. He said, I came here to win championships. That is the goal. We are here to chase greatness, to win championships. That's why I'm here. That's what is going to drive us every single day. And he went on to also say, I don't think it's going to be as hard as everyone thinks. Eat, screech. I don't know about that. Joshua? Well, first off, he also said, all gas, no brakes. And I think that's kind of like his slogan. So that pissed me off a little bit because it's just (laughs) kind of lame. But I don't know what they have in the cupboard there. I really don't. But this is one thing I do know. Barbecue sauce? Well, there might be. Um, Is Oklahoma recruits Texas. Texas A&M recruits Texas. Ohio State's recruiting Texas. Like the 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 thing that's going to make his job difficult is who he's recruiting against. Because mm-hmm. I think if he can put up a fence around the best talent in the state of Texas, they'll mm-hmm. be back on track. Sure. And and that's considering that, you know, the whoever coaching defense does a good job, I think he'll do a great job with the offense. It's not an issue. If he can't figure out how to make sure that the top talent in the state of Texas stays in the state of Texas, he's going to struggle. Right. And that we said was going to be the challenge. Um, So again, that's just going to have to play out over the next several months and the first year and and see what he can do. Because never do we doubt or never have we doubted what he can do in, in terms of putting an offense out there if he can get the right players. But you got to get the right players. And I'm sure it has helped that he found success at Alabama and that now he's going to be known for what he put on the field that this past year. So I'm, I'm sure that will help. jump in on this one because I think you're right is he built a resume mm-hmm. in terms of offense uh, based off of what he did at Alabama. But I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say it'll be interesting to see because Ohio state's got a quarterback commit named Quinn Ewers, who is from, Texas and he Mm. was uh, I think committed to Texas and he grew up a Texas fan he's one of the best quarterbacks five-star guy and flipped to go with Ryan Day to Ohio State Mm -hmm. and Sark ran a obviously awesome offense and had a Heisman Trophy finalist at quarterback so I think if he can flip Quinn back to Texas Mm -hmm. that'll definitely give him momentum now the one criticism I will make for Sark, he developed great quarterbacks in his time at USC and um, at Washington. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give that. Mac Jones was not asked to throw the ball and create in terms of throwing guys open. His guys no. were, it was quick passes or his guys were wide ass open down the field on yep. some double moves and play action. Justin Fields' guys were open a ton, but I also think that he was asked to to play a more NFL pro style passing attack but we'll see but all that to say um that'll be a battle there and i think that will that will dictate the tenor of how at least the the first part of his coaching career at texas goes yeah i would agree with you on that before we move on to our final segment i have to just just squash some of this rumorness and maybe you can help me do that because i've been reading these articles this week that of course, now Ryan Day is being linked to some of these jobs <laughs> in the NFL, specifically the newest one, being the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm like, come on. 
Like, yeah. I don't see this happening. Yeah. Well, I just, well, I'm going to throw that at you because you know, you know the program well. You know Ryan Day. What's going on with it? I'll throw out a few things. So Ryan Day has got the NFL background, uh, quarterback coach in Philly at one point, and then he was in San Francisco, did a great job there. Obviously, his offense is, like I said, incorporate some pro style elements into really a spread offense. And so it's attractive. And um, the quarterback that he would be working with, I'm thinking it's Jalen Hurts that the the Eagles will mm-hmm. roll with long term. It becomes attractive from that standpoint. So it makes mm-hmm. sense for the Eagles to be interested. Sure. The question I asked is if that job opened up, would Ryan Day take it? I didn't yes. think the job would open up this year. Yep. Had Ryan Day won that game against Alabama, does he maybe take a little bit of a harder look at it? Sure. I think Mm -hmm. that he loves his locker room. I think there is unfinished business that Mm -hmm. he wants to take care of. And I truly don't believe that he desires to move his family around again. Um, So that ain't happening. Yep. That's the same kind of wavelength that I was on with that. And the biggest thing to me is, you know, unfinished business. Look, a lot of these coaches that that's, that doesn't leave a great taste in their mouth when things, you know, end the way they do. And, and not saying it was awful, but, you know, there's a lot that didn't go right this season. So you always have in the back of your mind, well, when we have an actual full season, that's actually somewhat normal that we can, you know, look forward to and maybe finish some of that business. That's, I feel like that sticks with you as a head coach, especially in a program like Ohio state that, you know, they've, they've had success year in and year out and they get the players, you know? And so, right. I'm sure that that's on his mind. I mean, he wants to win a national championship. And like you said, he likes the locker room. He likes these guys. It just would seem very abrupt if that were to happen this year. So it would be abrupt. Um, And I I just don't see him as that kind of guy. Like, I don't think he would be willing to sell his players out after a couple of years like that. No, nope. I agree. I'm glad that we somewhat squashed that. Hopefully that will stay the case. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Before we wrap up this episode of Press Pass, we we have to start talking about the draft already because it is far away. But yet again, this is what's going to start happening. They're going to start putting, you know, these players on draft boards. We're going to start to see where they might end up. So I thought we'd get the extra like we'd get we'd get on it, get in on it a little bit before everybody else. Um, And the biggest question I have is some of these quarterbacks that um, are going to be coming out this year and entering the draft. Legitimately, how many of these guys do you even see going in the first round? So this becomes a really good question. You're putting me on the spot here. Um, (laughs) So I think that there are three guys that are, in my opinion, now this is my opinion, and I know quarterbacks are a hot commodity and teams spend too much money. Three guys that are surefire first round talents in my mind. That would be Trevor Lawrence, number one. Absolutely. We've talked about him before. Y'all know how I feel about him. Love him. Justin Fields, my second guy. People are a little bit down on him this year. 
I'm not, I'm, I'm, I've always said Trevor was a better guy. I'm not down on him. I think he'll be fine. Zach Wilson from BYU is a quarterback yes. that a lot of people like. He's got the yes. arm talent. I think it's good. Now, these are other guys who could go in the first round, but I don't see them necessarily as first round talents is Trey Lance. And mm-hmm. he is borderline for me. I think late first round would be fine. Um, not too much of a reach, but um, I don't see him on the same level as the other three guys I just named. Mac Jones, for the reasons I explained earlier, people, I saw him being mocked to the Colts, which I had a, a, another stiff ass stork quarterback yep. who couldn't run in Phillip Rivers and, you know, yep. but I, I oh, think man. Mac Jones is, I'm not convinced that he has, again, the, the, the create with your arm type of talent. Mm-hmm. And, and his stats were ridiculous, but I, I caution anybody. Um, and it's the same thing I'm getting ready to do with Kyle Trask. I caution yep. anybody who evaluates a quarterback that's completing 75 plus percent of their passes. Either they were high percentage throws, which is, you know, 10 yards and under or behind the line of scrimmage ball was coming out quick. Um, and, and that would explain why he didn't take a lot of sacks or, and this is both Mac Jones and Kyle Trask guys were wide ass open. So he, I mean, you can't miss, but those are the other two guys that I could see people Mac. I don't, I don't see it, but I can't necessarily be mad. I think people would be wasting money if they, they drafted Kyle Trask first round. Yeah. That's what you really, really, if you're a team, you really got to do your deal. Did you, I can't do it. I I just like, (laughs) Really, All right, everybody, this I has been uh, Press Pass Podcast. We had a great I mean, show today. <laughs> due diligence. Like, you know what? I, I'm sorry, guys. I This was one of my worst when it comes to my speech. I am. I mean, this makes me look like an idiot. Okay, but I let's. spit out anything tonight. Let's, let's defend this, though, because I, I know that you had a, a 20-hour day. Oh God. Yeah. On Sunday. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that 100%, I agree that you could be out of sorts. I didn't, and we, we didn't leave the studio until probably like, um, after two o'clock Eastern, oh, I didn't yeah. make it to bed until after four o'clock Eastern Tuesday morning. Um, so we're a little out of sorts people. So mind your damn business. Well, and it's funny because we usually do this. We we've done it a lot in the mornings in terms of recording it, and then we've done it like at like five o'clock on my day off. But this is the day I worked, yeah. and I just worked a full day, and so you can tell like my brain is like shutting down, and it, and it right, it's just like I'm not going to work anymore. Like, see ya. Um, but anyways, yeah, teams have to really look at these guys and. Just because they were on big time teams who were, you know, you know, who won a lot of games doesn't mean they're going to be a good NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I think people get, people get caught up in that, you know, yes. just the average fan gets caught up in that. I don't think, you know, teams, I think, no, no, they do. But teams get caught up in it. I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. Oh, okay. yeah, I've, I've, I've okay. been around these people. Um, I know actually I know personnel people in the NFL that I think are good at their jobs um, and they will tell you that their colleagues or even their bosses sometimes fall in love with guys um, in, in their, they're letting their emotions get in the way of watching the tape critically. That is crazy. I like would not think that that actually happened. It's like anything else. It's like, I know know. people just, they just develop their favorites and, and it clouds their judgment and doesn't let them assess the facts. 
That's nuts. Okay, one more guy before, and we're, we're going to talk about all this, you know, for months, but I just wanted to like dabble in it just because we talked about some of these guys today. But how how high and where do you think Devontae Smith could go? Let me, I mean, what are, who's, who's drafting the top five? Like who needs what? Cause he's, he's top five talent easily in my opinion. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you've got Jacksonville, you've got the, the quarterbacks Jets. are going to be gone though. Right. Uh, do you think though, do you think maybe the Jets Atlanta are for a quarterback? Yes. I do. <laughs> that, that I'm sorry, but the organization's never going to be anything because they, every year they draft, like they draft quarterbacks, they draft or they trade and then they, they just they don't do anything. Yeah, it's so. And the, I could have told you that Sam Darnold was not going to be good. Yeah. Now we can have a conversation about that. But the quarterbacks, like rookie quarterbacks, now are are guys they they will throw in the garbage if they need to. We saw them do Josh Rosen like that. Been a, been a couple players. Dwayne Haskins got thrown in the trash. And so it's it's nothing to to say you're done with a quarterback. He paid so much money. Yes. Um, it makes me sick. There's a lot of money in the game. Uh, Atlanta could be a spot for him. Philadelphia, maybe. Ooh, I guess you're going to be some sort of bird, an eagle yeah. or a falcon or something. Yeah, I could see him in both places. Yeah. To tell you the truth. So I'm looking at this this mock draft right now, Pro Football Focus, which I don't necessarily agree with their analytics, but I'm gonna let them do their thing. They've got at number eight to the Carolina Panthers, Mac Jones. That that Get is out. That's 100% hype. Out. I'm telling you right now. He's he's not that guy. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm really not. He is not a top 10 pick though. No. He isn't. He just he literally is. And this is the other thing we got to get through. Uh, we're we're I'm way long on this. People should understand by this point that the one-year college quarterback mm-hmm. is not a guy you should be drafting extremely nope. high. I, I just don't know if that experiment has worked. Nope. I agree with you on that too. I mean, there are some guys who have done phenomenal things in a year as a starter. Yeah. And they can go to the league. I don't know if quarterback is a position that you want to do that with. And I don't know that any team should be spending a top 10 pick on a guy who's only got one year of tape. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that, man. I, I mean, I think the best, you just can't get enough out of it. You know, it, it just, you can't see enough. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I don't think you can see enough. Uh, by the way, if you go to Twitter and you see my name trending, it is not me. Okay? <laughs> supposedly my name's trending on Twitter and it's this crazy fight. Like um, your your full name? Just Kayla. Oh, I was about to say. I'm like, what? It felt the exact same way. And it's literally these two girls just like beating each other up. Like is Kayla winning? I, I'm believing so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I uh, so. In the beginning, Kayla was getting her beep rocked before they started to pull each other's hair. Ooh-wee. So we'll see where that ends up. But just let let you let you guys know that was not me turning on Twitter the other night. All right. Well, I'm. I think I'm going to spend the rest of this evening um, <laughs> looking at these uh, these mock drafts. Yeah. We'll we're we're going to have fun um, once we get into that stuff. Holy smokes! If Mac Jones is really Mac Jones. This one doesn't. Yes. Who? Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. <laughs> this one doesn't have him as a top 10 pick. So I think I trust this mock draft okay. a little bit more than 
yeah. but they've got like four Alabama guys going in in the top fifteen on this. Well, mock that draft, won't so. surprise me. God, <laughs> so there it is. My goodness. Oh, one more thing. Um, every time that they would say, um, now I'm just again. <laughs> this is just getting too funny. <laughs> Devonte. No. No, um, now I'm just spacing it. You're running back. Trace the backup. No, the backup. Oh, Master Teague. Okay, so every time they'd say Master Teague, I'd say every time. I'd be like, make him say, oh. Like every time. <laughs> every time. I cannot say his name without starting to rap Master P. It's on. <laughs> Ah, uh, oh, here we go. This oh this mock draft. This, this is what's gonna piss me off. This mock draft has uh, the Chicago Bears taking Mac Jones at twenty. Oh, see, this is and, okay. If if the, if the Chicago Bears didn't screw yes, up enough, yes, exactly. Whoever did that is just wrong for even putting that on the Bears. The Bears oh, should definitely God. not do that. And whoever even thought that That's they should amazing. even anyway, these that people doing amazing. these mock drafts just they kill me. I want to do one <clears throat> podcast where we just make fun of mock drafts. We can do that. I think that that would be really fun. I'm all in. Okay. Okay. I'm, we're going to, we're going to do something like that just to mix it up. Cause we've got so many weeks here to before any kind of football happens. So we'll do a, a, we fun mock draft one. yeah, I'll let you so bring those. To the table. CBS NFL has their mock draft out and they don't have Mac Jones anywhere in the first round. Um, so I'm here for this one. This one's See? a good one in my opinion. Let's do it. Do you think we should do that next week? Uh, you know what? Uh, yes. And, and let me, cause okay. there, there are some fresh ones right now that just okay. came out because the college football season's over and they're super reactionary and we okay. can just talk trash. So let's definitely do cool. that. I'll, I'll get some content ready for that. Yes. So next week, guys, we are going to be bringing mock drafts to you. And it, a lot of them are going to be just us making fun of them. Um, some of them we might actually be legitimately agreeing with. Yeah, so that's what you we, have. we do a little bit of both, mostly making fun. That's what you have to look forward to. You also can look forward to me actually speaking in our next podcast. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Maybe I'll just rap the whole time. Um, I'm making a say, uh... <laughs> And I even like would do the intro. Dun, 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 you know, like when he like comes in and like starts, you yes. know, anyway, if you've heard the song, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly. Where can they go to follow you, Joshua? The people, right. the fine okay. listeners. I, I'm trying to figure out if I need to save this outrageous shit for, I'm sorry, for this week or this. All right. I'm going to just say it and then I'll tell people where to follow me. This is ESPN's mock draft by uh, Todd McShay. And so Todd's oh. well-respected. Todd McShay yeah. has Sean Wade getting drafted before Justin Fields. You can find me on Twitter and really? Instagram at RIP underscore JEP because I can't <laughs> handle any more of this. Okay. Yeah. It will, we'll get into it way deep next yeah. week. Okay. At, at Kayla Anderson TV, you can go on there and shame me for everything that I did not say correctly today. I'm totally cool with it. Um, you guys have a great week and we'll be back here at our regular time. Sorry. It was so late this week, uh, doing the thing. We're going to drop down those, uh, mock drafts and have a, have a time with it. All right. Take care guys. <laughs>